Are you working on your author career, but struggling to get that first book published? Does the goal of being an author seem too lofty? Or thoughts of having multiple books and making a full-time living are as fantastical as living in Cinderella's castle? Welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where aspiring authors can be heard. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have gotten their foot on the author career path. Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Hello, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths. I have a very exciting author today, Dale Kesterson. She's another author from Jumpmaster Press that I have run into. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot of those coming up. You've heard a couple already. They're a great publisher, uh, the nice guys, some great uh, books, some great authors. So we've got a whole line of them coming up. But she writes mysteries. But even more important for me, which I thought was very exciting to talk to her about was that she uses Linux as her operating system for her writing. She doesn't have Windows. She doesn't have Macintosh. She has Linux and it's Linux Mint. And we talk about different varieties of Linux and what people can use if they're writing Linux and why they would want to. Uh, I find this exciting because Linux is the operating system I've promoted a bit, I guess you could say, to educators, parents, uh, for their kids. Uh, Raspberry Pi, with the version of Debian Linux that they have on Raspberry Pi, for kids to work with, experiment, learn about. They learn a whole lot more about computers. They learn a lot about making things work, especially on Linux. And there's some good reasons that they use it. Uh, they can't play all the games. They can't do all the things normally like they would on Windows or Mac. So it keeps them a little more focused. There's some other good reasons to use it with the program in that. But I found it exciting that there's an author using Linux. She may be the first. If anyone else was before this, I forget. I apologize. But it was a, a fun talk. And the books are exciting mysteries, if you like that. So here's Dale. So today on Discovered Wordsmiths, I want to welcome Dale Kesterson. Dale, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Had an interesting weekend, but it's it worked out okay. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. So I want to talk about your book. But before we do, let's find out a little bit about you. So tell us where you live and some of the things you like to do besides writing. We live in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere in southwest Kansas that is so small, it doesn't even have a red, yellow, green traffic light. We've got one and we don't have a post office. So I understand. We have a post office. We don't. <laughs> we have a grocery store. We have a drug store. We have a, we're the county seat. So we also have the county community critical access hospital. Oh, and we are. <laughs> <laughs> but if you eliminate the cats and the dogs and the, and the, various other animals it's the population's about 900 uh, okay ours if you count the cows it doubles our population yeah i can understand that if you double if you count the cows the population of the county triples <laughs> we're in the middle of wheat and cattle country but we moved here and everybody gets startled by this we moved here by from new orleans oh nice Ooh, that was a change. And our daughter was asked if she could do voodoo dolls and love charms and such when she, we got up here and she's going, 
moved here from New Orleans. It was the pit of hell. But it was deliberate and it was before Katrina. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was down in New Orleans a couple of years ago and some of the trolleys were still offline from Katrina. Katrina completely decimated the city. Brennan's is gone. I didn't know what Brennan's was. The world were. famous restaurant Brennan's is no longer. And it's you don't go to New York, you can't go to Brennan's. Oh my God. <laughs> but you know, we moved up here way before then. And people thought we were nuts. And then Katrina hit. And all of a sudden, we weren't quite as crazy. But I was born in Manhattan, New York. Wow, that's a lot of changes. Yeah. The real shock, culture shock, was moving from Detroit down to Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I've lived in a lot of places, and we've been here for 30 years. Okay. Nice. There are advantages to a small town. Yeah, there are disadvantages, but yes. <laughs> if you want to go to a Wendy's, you got to drive 30 miles, but hey, who needs that? Right. Absolutely. We have to drive 10 miles to get to a grocery store. So I get it. First of all, I really like your TARDIS down there in the corner that ah. I can spy see. Yes, you can see the TARDIS. Yeah. I haven't tested it, but it's there. You've moved around a lot, family. So why did you want to start writing? I've been writing most of my life. It's just life kept getting in the way and I wasn't able to really seriously address it until, let's see, I started a book that turned into the beginning of the Lauren K series and it is a series. Excuse me. I We had rain for two days and our sinuses don't know what to do. The manuscript, original manuscript to the book is in pencil on legal pads. Wow. That's how old it is. And I, every t other time I moved, I lost it Ugh. and had to, what box did I put this thing in? You know how that goes. Yeah. And it's something I really wanted to do. And in the meantime, I got involved with Star Trek fandom and Babylon 5 fandom, and I wrote fanzines. I edited fanzines. I wrote short stories, fan short stories and such. So I've always kept my hand in. <clears throat> but the first professionally published short story in an anthology came out in 2018. Okay. The title of the anthology was Tales of the Interstellar Bartenders Guild. It's from Pro Se Press. And the editor and the gentleman who created the anthology concept called me and says, I need a short story. I said, hey, great. No, I can, I can knock out one of those. And he said, yeah, I like the way you write. And he told me the title. I said, Aubrey, you're looking for bar fights. I don't fight and I don't drink. <clears throat> this may not work out real well. And his immediate comment was, you'll think of something. <laughs> but I called him after I watched the movie Gettysburg. He was one of the reenactors. <clears throat> and I said, hey, I have an idea. And the man hung up on me. <laughs> and I called him back. I said, what was that for? He said, the last time you had an idea. I ended up as a singing Klingon in a fan production at a convention. And I went, this is for a book. He said, okay, I'll listen. 
And I pitched what became the Time Guards two two novel series, two part series. Wow. And that was also for Pro Se Press. But as much as I love science fiction, my first love is mystery. Like a lot of people, girls my age, I grew up on Nancy Drew. And I wanted to see, excuse me. See, it's a box set now. Ah, okay. Nice. See? Nice. I finally found, I apologize, I really do. The first publisher I took Resort to Murder for, to, is, told me it was a good story, good concept, good characters, great dialogue, but it needed to be spiced up. And I went, no. I wanted to see if I could find a home for it that would accept it as is. Now, in the meantime, I run our home business, computer service business. My husband's IT. Can you edit this out? I'm going to have to cough. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I swear my characters don't. Let's see. That's a little better. We, I was told to submit it to Jumpmaster Press the book to Jumpmaster Press, and they loved it. So I joined their seminar group, and they do have a monthly seminar group for the Jumpmaster Press Writers Group based on Facebook. But in the meantime, in between everything else I was doing, I uh, took my very nervous heart in my very nervous hands and auditioned for community theater productions. So I'm also an actress. Nice. I've done 10, 10 plays and two, how should I put this, showcase singing talent type shows, fundraisers. And I stay busy. Okay. I'm old enough that if I don't stay busy, I'm probably going to lose my marbles and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that. I'm always pretty busy. And some people are like, how do you do that? <laughs> I did, I've done two conventions with the Jumpmaster Press people. I know that's, you've met them. And one was in, remember, I live in Southwest Kansas. One was in Tupelo, Mississippi. And then I did the Huntsville Pop Culture Expo a few weeks back. And I drive. Oh, wow. Okay. We've got a car that gets 50 miles per gallon and above. Nice. Nice. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do it. Nice. So you showed your box set, which I know Jumpmaster Press does some nice box sets. And it was a duology. So there's two. The book we're going to talk about is Staged for Death. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, my main character is a, get that up there, is a 25-year-old reporter. The books are set in 1950. They're period. And they're period accurate. There, she is Lauren K. Is they're all called Lauren K. Mysteries. Resort to Murder was the first one, Staged for Death, it's the second one. Murderous Intentions is going to be the third one. It's about two between two thirds and three quarters done. I'm working on it, they're screaming for it. And Lauren is a 25 year old reporter in 1950, she's on Long Island. She's a full-time reporter and a part-time night student. She is independent, feisty, 
and a bit of a smart aleck. <laughs> now, all of that now is normal. Back in 1950, working your way through college was exceedingly rare. And the idea that she is not interested in a rom permanent romantic relationship, a.k.a. the wedding ring, is makes her very odd. She hasn't got time. She knows it. She admits it. And in Staged for Death, she's working her way through college. She promised her mom, she's an orphan, she promised her mom that she would finish her degree. She now goes to night school. She's whittling away at her credits. And her advisor in Staged for Death, her advisor has signed her up for a day class in music appreciation. Lauren's tone deaf. And she goes into her advisor and says, I can't do this. If I take this class, I'm going to lose my job because I can't take three hours out of each Tuesday or Thursday to take a class I really don't want any part of to begin with. And he signs her up. They work a deal with the dean and he, they sign her up as a ready for a word, a supernumerary. Okay. Okay. It's fun to say. It kind of bounces. <laughs> a supernumerary in an is an extra on an opera stage. They don't sing. They just, the crowds, the soldiers, the party guests on stage that really don't do anything. So she goes, okay, as long as I don't have to sing. She looks at a friend of hers when they're talking about it. And she says, hey. It's a class assignment. What could go wrong? And of course, everything does. Right. <laughs> but that's the basic setup for the second book. Okay. All right. And this isn't your first books. No. You've written other things. Have they all been mysteries? No. The first two novels that came out, I co-wrote with uh, Aubrey Stevens for Pro Se Press. The first one is called The Devil to Pay Time Guards, Volume 1. And we took two people from a 2015 reenactment just outside of Gettysburg and drop kicked them back to 1863 with no warning, no manual, and no instructions. And they spend the entire first day going, what in the heaven's name has happened here? Oh, my heavens, we're really there. Oh, my goodness. And we can't change history. Oh, crap. It was your basic oh, crap moment. And the second book picks up as Four Score and Seven, Time Guards Book Two. And it is parts one and two of the same, same story. They get involved in trying to thwart a conspiracy to assassinate Lincoln at the Gettysburg address, at the Gettysburg dedication. Oh. And they're not sure if they're stuck or not. So it was fun. I co-authored it with Aubrey Stevens and Pro Se Press took a look at the original book and went, a first novel of 140,000 words? I don't think so. <laughs> so we split it. Yep. into two books yeah a lot of times i've heard that happening yeah but the 
And my mystery series, the Lauren K. Mysteries from Jumpmaster Press, are family-friendly. There's no gratuitous gore, sex, violence, or profanity. There is a bit of profanity in the Time Guards books, but nothing overt. And But I have people, I have readers as young as 13, 14, reading the mysteries. Now, mysteries is my first love. But I also have a science fiction novel running around in my head. As soon as I get book, the third mystery out, I'm going to work on that. Oh, okay. Nice. But I hate being bored. So if I'm not working on anything else, I do cross stitch. Yeah. <laughs> what type of feedback have you been getting from people who have read the books? The feedback on the mysteries, I sold copies of both mysteries to a friend and her note back to me was oh i love them i'm not sure i like you anymore and it's like i looked at the note and i'm going oh my gosh what happened and she says i lost a lot of sleep because i had to know what happened (laughs) that's a good the question i get most often from anybody who has read both and has read the second one is When's the next one coming out? That's a good thing. I'm assuming I'm doing something right. The funniest sequence I have written to date is in staged for death. Lauren, when she gets mad or upset, tends to exercise her vocabulary, but she doesn't swear. She hits somebody. All right, I'm going to have to cheat. You want (laughs) to hear a paragraph? Yeah. yeah. Can I do that? Let's do that. I've used this as a reading in at conventions. This the guy she's talking to has royally torqued her off big time. She almost gets bounced from the opera production. It's set against an opera. Gounod's Romeo and Juliet. The opera is not the focus. It's the setting. So you don't have to know anything about opera. I take care of that. And she says, Ash, I put my hand on his face. He smiled. Auntie, I want to up. I I grabbed his earlobe and used pressure. You supercilious, solipsistic, narcissistic, egocentric Lothario, I spat, cutting him off. How dare you entangle me in your infantile imbroglio? You could have gotten me fired, and I need this class to graduate. Of all the puerile, churlish, cow, callow pranks. You don't have to understand all the words individually <laughs> to know what she is saying. Right. And I love that sequence. Later on in the scene, he says, Lauren, would you translate those high-powered words you just used on me? <laughs> and funny. she says, sure. If you can repeat them back. Nice. She's fun to write. Yeah. And they are told first person. Okay. All right. And so you've got the two out and you said you were planning a third one. Would that be the end of the series or? No. Okay. We're looking, we had a discussion of about this in Tupelo and again in Huntsville. We are probably aiming at a series of six books. Okay. And oddly enough, the last one to which will be published is actually the first one I wrote. 
The reason being, I had to establish the characters. I set it in a house and I asked permission to use the house from the person who owned it. I said, I love this place. Would you mind if I set a book here? And she, what kind? I said, a murder mystery. She said, oh, do you mind? She said, no, have at it. And a friend of mine read the book and she said, it's wonderful. It's great. It kept me guessing up until the last minute, but it's a closure. It's not an intro. So the last one's, it's going to need severe editing, but it's already exists. Oh. So I'm prequeling leading up. I know where I'm going. It's a matter of right. getting there. Okay. All right. But it so, gave me, knowing the setting gave me the opportunity to develop the characters. And that's something that a lot of authors give the advice, know where you're going. You, you have, have no to room. know, especially in a murder mystery, you've got to know where you're going. The only major mystery author I know of that never plotted it out in advance was the amazingly brilliant Agatha Christie. And I read her books and I'm going, my gosh, you mean you solved your own mystery as you wrote it? No. So my advice to anybody writing a mystery is please, before you start, get your basic plot line with at least who did what to whom, how, and why. Got it. Okay. Good advice for all the mystery writers. And I'm sure the readers agree too. They want to. Uh, yeah. You don't want to have to solve your own puzzle because you could really write yourself into one heck of right. a corner. So and, you know, if you were given the choice, would you rather turn these into movies or TV shows? That's a good question. A TV series would be exceedingly expensive. I know enough about productions to realize that anything period, anything in the past, you've got to have the cars, the clothes, the and renting those, that kind of car. We're talking 1950s. So we're talking cars from like 1947 to maybe 1952. And getting a hold of those that look like they're still on their wheels, that gets pricey. Keeping the production values, you got to remember I do stage work. Keeping the production values accurate, and these will not update properly. I may have written myself into a hole there, <laughs> but I would say movies rather than TV, but they may not be intricate enough to take to the movies. Frankly, I'd rather take my main three characters to the stage. Oh, that would be interesting. Lauren is an orphan. Her dad was killed at Normandy during World War II. Remember, we're in 1950. And her mom died of cancer a few years later. She's on her own. But she's not alone. Her best friend's father has taken her under his wing. And she goes head to head with a the local police captain who hates amateurs getting in his way in his investigations. He's a curmudgeon, and they bump heads solidly in the first book, Resort to Murder, which is this one. Uh, Lauren gets her first 
Sunday supplement front page, front page Sunday supplement assignment in this and is asked to check and see if a death at the re- brand new resort was an accident or not. And of course it isn't. And she and the captain bunk, completely collide and she holds her own. But the my three main characters, Lauren, her best friend's father, Robert Mallory, and the police captain, Danny O'Brien, are my three mates. And it takes, usually takes, it's usually going to take all three of them to make sense out of stuff. Okay. All right. And if people wanted to check out all your books, do you have a website that they could go to? I have a website, which includes all of the books. It's www.dalekesterson, D-A-L-E-K-E-S-T-E-R-S-O-N, just the way it sounds, Dot com, And we recently updated the website to include the second anthology, which is from Jumpmaster Press called Dreams of Time and Space, in which I proved to my publishers that I, A, I can write science fiction, and B, I don't have to write in first person, I can use third. <laughs> because it drives one of them nuts because he's not a big fan of first person, and I'm going, tough, they're my books. <laughs> nice, okay. But, and we'll put and of course, you can get, anybody can go to www.jumpmasterpress.com and find my books from Jumpmaster, the mysteries and the anthology there. Okay, great. All right. So Dale, what are some, I see you got some books behind you. What are some of your favorite books and authors? My favorite author, and you can't see it behind me because it's in front of me in a glass case. After I finished with Nancy Drew and Judy Bolton, the Dana girls and Sherry Ames, student nurse and all those, which were major series when I was growing up, I'm old. I saw a, went to the library and saw a shelf of books with black covers and little red skulls at the bottom of the spine. And I looked at my mom, I was maybe 10 or 12. And I said, what's though? What are those? I couldn't reach them. Neither could she. And she said, oh, that's the Rex Stout's Nero Wolf series. What I'm looking at off camera i have reading copies over here behind me over here but i've collected some of the hardback first editions of the nero wolf novels nice he is my favorite author i think of all time and yes, it was an influence. The books are always told by first person by Arch, his character, Archie Goodwin. But I can't even begin to mimic him. So it's okay. I've got to have my protagonist action and her support has got to be movable too because Nero Wolf just sits in, and is an irascible curmudgeon. And do you have a favorite bookstore you like to go to get your books? I live in the middle of nowhere in Southwest Kansas and everything locally. We used to have a Hastings. We used to have a Barnes and Noble, fairly local. It was 60 miles away, but with the brick and mortar stores closing, it's hard. So 
I hear about something and I do what a lot of other people do. I jump online and the Time Guards novels are on Amazon. Of course, everything from Jumpmaster is probably on Amazon, although I really prefer people to get them from Jumpmaster because they've got a variety. It's a small house based in Alabama, but they've got a wide variety of style authors and styles and genres, including young adult. Yeah. Yeah. They had a really nice presentation display when I saw them in Virginia about a month ago. It's called a traveling bookstore for a reason. And they finally got the subject like historical fiction, fantasy, time travel lines up. So now we no longer have to completely go around the room. But yes, in Huntsville, we had, I think, nine authors. Oh, nice. And they just did Mithrocon in Chattanooga and they had three, five, because... Kyle and Jean, Kyle, Hannah, and Jean Rowley both write as well as run the company. Yeah, I talked to both of them. I met Jean at the con I was at, and I've had Kyle on. He's coming up an upcoming episode going to be on. So they're, they really, and I think most of their authors feel this way. I know I do. I was extremely grateful that I found a home for Lauren K, the Lauren K Mysteries, that wouldn't, that didn't insist on throwing in the gratuitous gore, sex, violence, profanity stuff and accepted her, accepted the mysteries. They'd never published a genuine, traditional, cozy mystery before I came in. And we've been amazed at the response. We literally sold out in Huntsville of my books. That's a good thing. I'm glad to see that because they were great guys to talk to. And I bought a few books and there were others I was looking at. And I'm just glad to see that there's such a nice press getting out there because you hear about something. There was somebody talking to one of the authors there and they're, oh yeah, I got this thing from author house or something that they said they would publish and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, it's going to cost $8,000. And so many people are getting ripped off by these scam places that to see a place like Jumpmaster doing well and looking like they're growing. And oh, they're got, growing. Yeah. They are definitely growing. Somebody, I was talking at another convention without the bookstore. I was basically there on my own. I do ShadowCon in Memphis. It's a what we call a relaxicon. My co-author from the time travel books, Aubrey Stevens, is on the committee that runs it. And I was sitting with a couple of other authors or wannabes, and they're saying, Who do you have who did you find to edit your books and how much did it cost you? It's whoa. My editor, editor in chief, assigned somebody to edit the book and I'm sorry, money shipments in this deal only go one way. <laughs> not making, I'm not going to probably not going to make a fortune, but I know that it will be handled and self publishing's fine if you know how to do the editing or can find an editor and can afford to pay one. And yes, you can get it you can get it published, but you have to worry about the cover, the editing, promotion, website, how to handle the money, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And frankly, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> so I okay. found a house that would take it. And I sit back and yes, I, I have a lot of input into the covers. I love this one. I really love that cover. Yeah, it's a nice cover. And with the hand holding the curtain back, the but it's just nice to have the support behind you. As a writer, I can focus on writing. And I don't have to worry about a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. Now, and, I will admit, I've been an editor, so most of my stuff goes in pretty well assembled and needs just minor tweaking, which they appreciate. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So let's talk a little bit about some of the writing stuff. So what are some things you've learned in your writing career from your first book to this one? I was had the tremendous pleasure and fortune to be a have as a good friend i'm sorry i just thinking about him he's gone and i miss him very much the late insanely talented robert asprin oh yeah fools the myth series yes. fools and the fool series and i was listening to him talk up to a group of people who Oh, I will, I'd love to write a book. I've got ideas. How do I go about it? And he's going, okay, let's go back to writing 101. It's, the first thing he always said was, never write anything you don't want to read 350 times. <laughs> At least 350 times. <laughs> it's, people say, what was? what's the book you've read the most? Mine. Yeah, the last one I was working on. <laughs> the last one I'm working on. Yeah, yeah and you don't want to know how many times. And he also said, if you don't enjoy what you're writing, don't do it because there's no point. You have to, this is one of those where you have to love what you do. Otherwise it becomes such a drudge that you're not going to finish it. And yes, Heinlein has his rules of writing and people should check those out. I'm not going to go into them. I don't have the handout in front of me, but if you're going to write, you have to write. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. And that's, I've been finding more and more through my own personal experience and just talking to authors that it doesn't matter what class you go to. It doesn't matter what group no. you join. It doesn't matter how many books you read, that none of that makes hardly any difference compared to just sitting down and writing and writing and not <laughs> writing one book and then revising it and editing it for seven years that doesn't improve your writing it's actually writing something and moving on to the next thing and writing more that's one of the things the Highline five rules of writing is you have to write you have to finish what you write you have to submit what you <laughs> edit to the best of your ability but don't sit there and tweak it as you said for seven years submit it and move forward, move on. Yes, learn from what you do. If you were to read the story I have in Tales of the Interstellar Bartender's Guild, and then the short story in Dreams of Time and Space, which is the Jumpmaster anthology, I even kept one of the same characters. They're different stories, but the difference in the writing techniques 
Yeah. I really learned a lot. You can tell the difference. You can tell that I've learned a lot even between these two books and they came out within a year of each other. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. still any writer that will not admit to learning as they go. Ignore. Because. Hey, even Stephen King needs an editor. Yeah, exactly. And he'll admit that. And too. you have to learn how to take criticism without being crushed. Not I, I did a one-on-one -on -one with Gene early on when we were I was developing Resort to Murder. It needed help. And we did a one-on-one -on -one Zoom. <laughs> like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Nobody lives here. Nobody lives close. And... He said, now I'm going to, I'm going to get critical. I said, come on, I do stage work. You're a director. I'm an actor. Go for it. He said, a lot of people take it personal and they shouldn't. We're not, if I give somebody criticism, it's, I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. I'm trying to help build what you're doing. I, I always try and tell people that I want to hear what your thoughts are. I want to hear what didn't work, what didn't sound right, what's missing and all that, because I would rather have somebody I know tell me, Hey, this, you missed this and it sucked than to to be told, Oh yeah, it was great. I loved it. And then you put the book out and every review says this kind of sucked. It's much more cruel to me to have somebody tell you, yeah, it was great when it wasn't. There are basic rules. The one you would hear around a Jumpmaster seminar the most is show, don't tell. Which I everybody's heard that. If you've been writing for more than a week, you've heard that and they've told you that. But there's not much follow-up at times. It's what do you mean show, don't tell? And I've- Keep it, act, keep it active. But I think sometimes new authors- don't understand what we mean by show, don't tell. And I think it needs a little more using examples is good when I've talked to people, but I've had to learn myself because I went from applauding this action to a little more flowery, I guess, language, not really flowery, but better language rather than just stating a bunch of actions, more of grammar and nice lines of sentence lines. And the show, don't tell, I started picking up on it more by reading other people's stuff and seeing how they did it and real. And again, because I have been writing a lot, I could have examples in my own writings. Oh, I can improve that here. And I just think it, it took me a couple of years to really get down show don't tell and be able to see it in my own writing and see it in others. So again, you got to keep writing. <laughs> you have to put your reader there. Yes. You have to put your reader in your book. And I'm going to do it again. Hope you don't mind. No. Let's go back to resort. Okay. I'm going to put you right there. The telephone's ringing, ringing bell, barely audible through my locked apartment door, taunted me like a naughty three-year-old sticking out its tongue. Listening to the jangling sound, I stood in the narrow, dimly lit corridor, struggling to juggle full grocery bags and my oversized purse fervently wishing humans had three arms. A myriad of tantalizing odors wafting through the air reminded me I forgot to eat lunch. My stomach growled at me like a grizzly bear coming out of hibernation. I got the key into the lock. 
My determination to enter the sanctuary of my apartment heightened when the infant in the apartment down the hall started to wail. Inhaling deeply through my nose in frustration, I concluded my neighbor across the hallway once again succeeded in scorching his dinner, which reinforced my decision to decline his standing invitation. The key to my new apartment stubbornly refused to cooperate. Exasperation mingled with the fatigue of the long week, making my Friday complete. Give up, I mumbled to my unknown caller. I don't want any. <laughs> nice. You're there. Yeah. But that's Lauren, and that, that's also in it, Lauren's introduction. That's Lauren. She's a working working girl. She's got classes. She's got an apartment of her own, finally. It's tiny. But that puts you right there with her. And that's the magic. Right. And that's what everybody struggles. And that show don't tell. It's an easy to say, hard concept to really grasp. <laughs> it is. And it's, I still struggle with it. I just printed out the first 90 pages, 90 pages on a word screen, not 90 pages of a book and reread it. And I've got my, I edit, I personally, I edit better on paper than I do on a screen. I miss stuff on the screen and it's also easier on the eyes <laughs> and I've got little marks and pencils all over and little lines on the sides saying, okay, you need to this, you made a change here. You, when you go back over and have the papers here and the screen here. Yeah. And everybody has their own methods, but the rules are basic. I have been known to take a, telling and turn it into a dialogue interesting but i write now that was a scene description but you heard some of my dialogue earlier i write dialogue possibly because i've been a movie fan and you can't show everything i'm also and i'm now into stage stuff so the last production I did, I was actually two characters in one play. We did a steampunk accented version, believe it or not, of Christmas Carol. Nice. I love that. And I was, I played Mrs. Dilber, Scrooge's Cockney housekeeper. And I also played the ghost of Jacob Marley. Two completely disparate characters, yeah. two completely different voices, two completely different accents, two completely different costumes. And as I told the director after it was all over, that was fine. I had no problem separating all of that. It was the two completely different makeups that drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but... I do accents, I do di I write dialogue. I have found in my personal way of doing things that I I can get a plot point out better with less telling by turning it into dialogue. Writing first person does limit you. If your main character doesn't see it or hear it, it hasn't happened. But Right. Somebody can tell her that it happened. And that's where I pick up my slack. 
a lot of people can't write first person. A lot of people only write first person. I can do, I do both. It does. That's a whole nother skill because when you first start writing first person, the tendency is to, I then went and did this. Then I went and said this. I was saying, I went here. It's like I, everywhere. And I did the, and they miss out a lot on the inner monologue that the person's got going on, inner dialogue and bringing out some of those feelings and stuff. It's done differently. And I think a lot of people should write some more in practice. I'm not, that's not a criticism because I'm no better, but that's how do you get better at it? The other thing you do need to do is read. You have to read, you do have to read books. Your favorite author, vary it a bit. I'm sitting here looking at, (laughs) here comes a brag, looking at signed copies of things like Lucifer's Hammer by Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. And yes, they both signed the book. One of my prize signed books is I have a copy of a book called Mirror Friend, Mirror Foe, co-written by Robert Aspirin and George Takei. Nice. Wow. And both. I got them both to sign it. I've got a lot of Bob's books signed, obviously. <laughs> but he now he wrote in first person for the myth books, but third person for the Fool's books, The Fool's Company, Fool's Paradise, that's the send-up of the military. And I found that very interesting. I've got, I've read Mercedes Lackey for years. There's, a, you will see, I don't, you can't see titles, but we've got the Arthur Clarks behind me. And you've yeah, got to get- I saw a, 2001 right there. Yeah. And, but up top, I've got the Hitchhiker Complete by Douglas Adams. Beautiful. You have to read. You have to be able, as far as action goes, and action sequences are actually my weak, my weakest point. Read some love Clive. I love Clive Cussler books. So is my mother. So let's, before we ramble too long on many other topics, one of the big things I really wanted to talk to you about was you've made an interesting choice in your computer. Now, most people, I'm sure, I would probably say almost 100% of the people listening to the podcast, watching the videos, are using either a PC or a Macintosh. And PCs, the difference is Mac is created by Apple. The hardware and the software are both created by Apple. They control all of it. And PCs are by a large number of manufacturers, but the operating system is usually Windows and that's from Microsoft. Just yep. you know, to clarify, because a lot of people get mad and say, ah, stupid Microsoft, my hard drive went out. Microsoft didn't make your hard drive. They made that's your right. operating system. It's different. <laughs> so I'm just clarifying that because you made a completely different choice that most people probably haven't heard of, and that is Linux. And Linux is an open source and there's many versions. There's a lot of ver- You can't just say, I run Linux. You've got Mint. You've got Ubuntu. You've got Red Hat. There's a ton of different Linux. So what version of Linux, first of all, do you use? Mint. You use Mint? I've started <laughs> using that one a little more when I'm doing personal stuff. I use Linux Mint, my road warrior. This is the, this, the computer I'm using. The laptop I'm using now is a Dell 
it's a, I don't I'm not even sure it's been so long. The, it's the only one, we've only got two laptops in the house that have cameras and microphones. It's, and the other one that is equipped with a camera has a Band-Aid over the camera to give you an idea of how much we love that. And it's my husband's. But my road warrior is a certified refurbed, it's probably close to eight years old now, Dell Latitude. It's good, good machine. It, it's a good machine. It's a solid machine. It travels well. I've got the nine cell battery on it, which makes it heavy, but who cares? Yes. <laughs> and it, it's an old machine. As far as technology goes, it's not quite ancient, but it's getting there. And he put Mint on it. He put Linux Mint. Linux is uses less resources than Windows. It interferes less in mm. Windows than Windows does. We just bumped into a, I just bumped into a pop-up. We been, we were out of town from Saturday through yesterday. And I was accessing something on Friday and popped up and you need to do this. And it was on my main Windows. I'm running Windows 10 on my main system go away and no matter what windows programmed i opened that came up and i'm going i'm gonna go kill somebody on paper and he hasn't i don't think he's straightened i don't think he's had the time to straighten it out yet but yeah <laughs> real and linux doesn't do that it's also less prone to viruses Yes, they don't attack it because not many people are using it, part of it, but it's also got more security in it. It's got more security in it. I use Proton Mail for email, which is encrypted. And I use the free version because I don't have to sync it up with a smartphone. I don't own a smartphone. My daughter calls this my average intelligence phone because it <laughs> isn't smart. <laughs> That's good. Nice, nice. And I don't even text. It drives people nuts. So but... what on your Linux machine, what do you use to write your manuscripts? LibreOffice. That's pretty typical which standard. Mimics all of the, which mimics all of the Windows Office applications. And I can save it as a Windows, as a, as a Word, uh, Word file. Yeah. And just take the little flash drive and plug it into the big machine and go. But I have a Windows 7 machine that I use for my writing because Windows 10 gets too finicky and too much. it's too much of a pain in the neck. And that's not pain in the neck three feet lower. What other using LibreOffice and you export it as a Word doc and then you could take it and usually send it. Have you found any other services or things that have been difficult to use because you're on Linux? Yes. We had this conversation when we first started to set this up. Yes, yes. Linux does not like Chrome. And a lot of the Zoom type programs, I know I did another podcast interview with all things writing. I won't mention his name because that's like the other guys. But we tried 
And I am married to an IT pro. He sets everything up. And well, the first time I've been playing with computers for a long time, my first actual computer system had an 8088 processor. I used one of those as a doorstop at one point. <laughs> they all, if you take out all the innards and work it, you can actually turn it into a neat drink dispenser. I've yeah, seen that done. Big and heavy. But, <laughs> yeah. And my first, very first laptop had a, brace yourself, 10 megabyte <laughs> hard drive. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but Oh, I loved it. It was a Panasonic and the top just folded back a little and it was not, it had the best laptop keyboard I've ever owned. But yeah, the he being an IT professional, he says, we need a new computer. It's okay. And he came, he, I came home from work one day, from shopping one day, and he had bits and pieces all over the floor. And he's, this is your new computer. And I looked <laughs> at it and I looked down and I rolled my eyes and I said, okay, I don't want anything to do with it until it's got a screen, a menu and a start stop button. Right. And then one day he, we, one Saturday he said, all right, I've, and I was, I loved WordPerfect 5.1 for DOS. That's going back, having to put in your own tags and stuff there. But it gave you a blue screen with white letters, and that was so much easier on the eyes. It wasn't even funny. And one day, that day came, he said, I've loaded Windows 3.1. Okay, he said, this is how you get into it. This is how you get out of it. I got to go see my parents. Bye. Why are you leaving? He said, because I don't want to listen to what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> You try to find your way around this stuff. Uh, that was my introduction to Windows. My introduction to my first computer was even actually even funnier. I had somebody build it for me and he came in and he delivered it. And he said, this is your new computer. And this is back when they had just come out with the amber letters on the monitor. Yeah, I'm, We're going back. Yeah, that, that's a way. We're, we're talking 1986, 87. And he said, go ahead and sit down. And I put my fingers over the keys. I hadn't even touched one. He is standing behind me. Bill was standing behind me. And I about to touch a key. And across the screen came programming error. He swears he never saw me move. But the next thing he heard was my voice from the doorway of the room going, it doesn't like me take it back. I hate computers. I hate computers. Yeah. They are a fact of life, but yeah. I still don't have to like them. Right. I certainly don't trust them. <laughs> Especially with the new AI stuff. Oh man. Everything I have gets backed up at least two different places. That's smart. That's a good way to go. No matter what system yeah. you have. Yeah. And always hit the save button every 10 minutes, whether you need to or not. That is probably the best piece of writing advice I could give right. any writer. My and my default documents folder is my cloud drive folder. So when I hit save, it's putting it up on the cloud automatically as I continue typing. So that's a tip. What is that piece of artwork over your shoulder? This one? Yeah. That is my book cover. It was drawn, painted by a man named Thomas Zoller. He lives up in Cleveland. He 
Uh, he does a lot of his own stuff, but he was also involved in the My Little Pony reboot of 10 years ago or so. So, yeah, middle grade fiction. That's the book cover. Huh. I've been looking at it and I wanted to ask. Yeah. So, I see. The, isn't that the Millennium Falcon? Oh, that is the Millennium Falcon? Falcon there. Yep. It's a tin that yeah. I got hanging up. I've got an Indiana Jones poster I have to get up yet still from my original location. Let me but, ask yeah. you this. So we talked about LibreOffice. A lot of what authors do now is online with browsers and services. So you can access that through just about any computer with a browser. But there are some softwares that people do use. For example, Vellum, it only works on Mac. It won't work on Windows, will not work on Linux. And there are like ProWritingAid, you can do it through the browser, but it's easier on a desktop app they might have a Linux version. So do you find the frustration sometimes trying to get some of the people say, oh, get this program. It's I can't. People need to understand if it's written for Windows, it only works on Windows. If it's written for Mac, it only works on Mac. A lot Mm -hmm. of them will work on both, but even then a lot of them don't work on Linux. You're talking about writing tools like Scrivener and outlining tools and stuff. Yes, plotting tools, Various things like that. You ready? Yeah. This drives Gene Rowley up the rally up the wall. I don't outline. Oh, okay. You're the quote I'm unquote. I'm a cancer. It's here. But as as anybody who writes, if they're being honest, will admit, no matter how you outline, oh, your Jesus. characters can decide, nope, I'm not going to do that. Uh, oh, yeah. And, that, and anyone who hasn't written that wouldn't really understand. Does not understand that. I've, I've, I've got, I was, had a plot knot, a plot line knot, and it just would not unravel. I mean, it was, I finally said, screw this, I'm going to go to bed. And at three o'clock in the morning, my police captain woke me up. I'm not going to do that. Fuck is this anyway? And people look at me like, you got to be kidding. I hear voices and everything. As <laughs> yep. well, I know what he sounds like. But if he's not, if those characters are not real to me, they're never going to be real to you. And, and no matter how much plotting you do, sometimes the characters look at your plot and, and your outline and say, that's not how I would act. And they act how they would act. And your outline changes. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. I don't know how I do it. I've got a, as I said, the, you've got to have, there were three things involved in a mystery and you can drop a mystery into anything. It usually makes it a better book. Even if it's just a suspense that has to be resolved, any question that has to be resolved can becomes a mystery to some degree or other. And you've got to know means opportunity, and motive, the mom of mysteries. But you have to know who is, I have to know who is going to do what, to whom, how, and why, or I can't even get started. Now, I've changed the who. I haven't changed the who, but I've changed who's help assisting, the accessory before the fact, if you want to get technical. And that has changed twice just since I started the third book. (laughs) So 
I consider pantsing to a degree flexibility. I know a writer who outlines so thoroughly that all he has to do is put in the conjunctions. Wow. That sounds like Patterson. And I'm sorry, that's locking me in too much. In the third book, I decided I needed a minor bounce from the from the narrative. I needed a, a an incident, an action incident. And I wrote a sequence and hey, that does work, okay? Now, when I was about 30,000 words into Murderous Intentions, which is going to be the third book, and it wasn't working. So I read, I printed it out and read it and went, oh, okay, I need to make a left turn here and backed it up. And I wasn't allowing myself enough of a time frame for the action. Murderous Intention takes place basically in a week. This one took place over a weekend. Stage for Death takes a few months, but I don't drag it out. A rehearsal process takes time, uh, and the main action occurs during the actual production and then follows for the next day or so. So you've got you've to pace these things, and I had actually outpaced myself with the first version of stage for death so i backed it up scrapped it and started not started over but inserted a couple of extra days that i could use to help build this over overall arc of suspense try that three times fast <laughs> nice all right all right dale this has been great talking to you i'm glad somebody else uses Linux. i don't use it day to day all the time but i do have a linux mo- machine sitting right here i pull up i love it it's it's um, and we do have it double encrypted i have to use a password to open the thing up and then i have to use a password to get into my programs and we set that up the first time i took a major trip and i didn't want anybody messing with my hard drive stuff and i keep my stuff backed up on one of the drives that is not attached to the internet because my Windows 7 is not attached to the internet. I even have a Windows XP system still running. Wow. I as long as it's not attached to the internet, it's fine. But that's running, that's where I run my Photoshop. Because wow. I'm not about to pay for the new versions of Photoshop. <laughs> but because I'm also a professional photographer. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah, my husband calls our vacations expensive photo shoots. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> but yeah, it's I love the Linux machines because they're not bulletproof, but they're close. They're closer than anything else because Mac, they are targeting Macs with viruses now. Yeah, a lot more. And I've been having a lot more problems with Mac users having issues, just acts up as much as Windows sometimes. But On the flip side, I don't know if I'd recommend Linux for everybody because there is a bit more hands-on, a bit more you have to do sometimes. You can get programs, but you have to sometimes do a little bit more work with them to get them. Yeah, we we tried to load a version of Chrome that would allow us to use the program that the other podcast, other podcaster 
wanted to use and we can't get this thing to work. And the camera is attached to a Linux machine. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, I've right. got limitations here. And we ended up doing a Zoom. And I appreciated the flexibility that oh, you yeah. gave me because I didn't want to go through that again. I like Zencaster because the audio recording is better than on Zoom, but more people have used Zoom. Like I said, I told you, I did have the headset. All right. I, I trained audio wise, I trained when I was working on the radio in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh. We did a satiric newscast. Once a week, call-in show we hoped people would call into called The Week in Review Program. We were all T-W-I-R-P, twerp reporters. A lighthearted, lightheaded look at the week's news. And I ended up doing, with no training, I ended up doing anchor position and character voices. And that's how I eased into acting. And I took that to... Then I was encouraged to audition for the chorus of the Mississippi Opera and made it. And that's how I ended up on an opera stage. And yes, there and is an event somebody. in this. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. My I played Juliet's mother as a member of the chorus. Oh. I sang with the chorus. But Lauren is not me. She's she probably what I would have wanted to be at her age. But I didn't have the confidence in myself to do that but hey i am living proof that it's never too late to try because i was 72 years old in december wow congrats (laughs) yeah it's as i keep telling people and people laugh what do you do i kill people on paper keeps you young (laughs) it keeps me functional Maybe yeah. not young. The body's going, are you kidding me? You want to do what? <laughs> but no, if I can keep my mind active, and this is one of the ways to do it, and it's fun. Right. But the people say, my gosh, how old? I was two weeks. When the first short story came out in the bartender anthology, it, I was two weeks away from my 68th birthday. Nice. Yeah. So what's not to to like? Yeah, I've talked to all ages. All right, Dale, we've been chatting a while and I appreciate it. I wish you luck on your book and thank you for taking the time to be on today. I'll pick one up at some point and let me know what you think of it. They're they're fun reads. I've had parents tell me that their kids' grammar scores are going up because of the books. Oh, nice. That's a good thing. Which is not a bad thing, but I've also got an 85-year-old fan going, all right, what's she going to get into next? (laughs) Yeah. So it cuts clear. The mysteries cut across the board. And I'll have links in the show notes. Okay. Great. And send me a link. Will do. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love see what they have, check out their books. That's what 
the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use. So I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you. 